from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Somewhere between Homer and Hater is a line of reality. And if you take away all of the emotions and all the power that comes with the logo of the Lakers last night, the reality is reality is they got a win, but it was still a worst case scenario for the team. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, dressed for success Wednesday if you're watching us in the ESPN app. Whew. If you were watching this morning, Harry Douglas out there representing the show on Get Up. Woo! How are we feeling, HD? I mean, you're you're, co- you're super famous this morning. Uh, there's a lot going on in your world that's worth celebrating. We, uh, we're feeling good, right? Yeah, yes. Can I ask you a question now? Yeah. Because, you know, hey. I, Hembo texted you about something. What did Hembo text you about? Well, Hembo, Hembo texted me because, uh, I, you know, I didn't want to bring this up first thing. But now that you brought it up, I'm sitting there watching. And I love that people are texting me, telling me this, right? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sitting there watching Get Up. And, uh, and all of a sudden, I hear the star of Harry and Fitz. Harry Douglas is with. All right, Custer. All right, Fred, we got to go. We got we got we got a couple issues here. Uh, like, <laughs> hey, we're a tag team. All right, nobody nobody's better than like they're trying to true, Hembo trying to create story, divide. Number two, the true show story. name is Fitz and Harry. Come on, man. Hey, you know who he he may have messed it up a little bit, mm-hmm. but I felt good in the moment. I actually didn't really hear it until somebody texted me after, and I had checked my check my uh, check my phone. I was like, oh wow. I was like, I don't know if Fitz gonna like this. Now, what but you we, still my boy, Blue? You still my boy? The funny thing is, as you well know, like I, I, I don't ever care about any of that. I get to work with my buddy. I got my name on a show. I'm happy. 100%. I don't care who's first or second. But what do we think about Hembo coming in and trying to create a little show divide? Like Hembo yeah. was coming in like a reality TV person. That's like, I know y'all are in a couple, but I just thought I might tell you that this is what they're saying. I don't know, Hembo. I don't yeah, know. Hembo. This isn't Maury. This isn't Jerry Springer. We don't want the drama for whoever's mama. We're not doing that here, Himbo. So stop trying to divide us. And you go over there with Greeny and do your thing. And the lie detector test determined that is not a lie. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. That's right. Fitz and Harry, Custer. Fitz and Harry. Jason Fitz, Harry Douglas, presented by Progressive Insurance. And uh, look, uh, this is just being real for a second with the way we talk about the Lakers. I feel like if I say anything today, everybody's going to say, well, you're just a Lakers hater. Without being a hater, I think it's fair to look back at what we saw last night. When you and I both said as we got off air yesterday, we expected a dominant Lakers performance. We didn't get that. The Lakers won. They won in overtime. But it took every ounce of turbo button. It took everything going the right way. It took a weird ending. Like Everything that could go wrong felt like it did go wrong for the Lakers, and they still get the win. Well, it was so weird to me because the Minnesota Timberwolves were missing Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert. and also Jaden McDaniel. So I thought this game wasn't even going to be close. Um, Carl Anthony Towns started off hot. Mike Conley Jr. had a phenomenal game as well. But the Los Angeles Lakers, man, I, I really look watching that game last night, Fitz. They have one person on their team that can create and get their own shot, and that's LeBron James. Everybody else has to be set up in my eyes. Now, Austin Reeves, sometimes he – he may do a little something here and there. But thank God that Dennis Schroeder is on this roster. And when he went out with the, I think it was whatever, it's an ankle or Achilles, whatever it was, injury last night, that he was able to come back in and score 21 points and especially big points down in overtime in the, the end of the fourth quarter because the Lakers would have lost that matchup last night. But I just don't, moving forward, I, I can't sit up here and say I believe in them. 
like that because the struggle to score the basketball and guys missing shots and D'Angelo Russell, he's on the back of a milk carton. I don't know where he's at right now because he damn sure went in the game last night because Darvin Ham said, you know what? I'm going to go with the guys that have been here and I know I can trust 100% because D'Angelo Russell, um, Malik Beasley, those guys weren't the force that, you know, the Los Angeles Lakers were thinking they were going to be when they traded for him. Now, I get it. It's just one game, but they just wasn't pivotal for that team last night. Well, and the other part of it is how much of this lies at the feet of Minnesota imploded, and it still took everything they had. Minnesota went six full minutes in the fourth quarter without scoring a single point. Carl Anthony Towns was in foul trouble. Anthony Edwards, who we thought was going to be big in this game, was virtually invisible on the offensive end of the floor, and it still almost came down to getting Minnesota getting a victory. Now, there was a a crazy foul for anyone that didn't see it. Anthony Davis uh, committed a foul on, on a three uh, by Conley as time was expiring. That's what sent him to the line that sent the game to overtime. But if I'm looking at the Lakers, I'm just saying, oh my God, how many things do, do you have to sit here and excuse? And I'm not saying, like, it's funny because we say we turn this into, well, that's a plucky team getting a big win. No. At some point, you've got to go out and dominate the teams you're supposed to dominate. If this had been last year's Nets with Kyrie and KD on their jerseys and Instead, we would be evis- we would be destroying them today for not playing well enough in this type of game. But instead, it's the Lakers, and it feels like we're not allowed to say anything negative. And if you think that this isn't real, here th- this this morning blew my mind. I'm getting in the car. I'm post-workout. <laughs> I'm feeling all swole. I'm feeling good about myself. I turn on Keyshawn J. Will and Max, as everybody should do every single morning, and I hear Max Kellerman say this. The playing game was actually game. good for them when you it think was, about it. it they're not on the shelf for a week exactly. getting stale, but they're exactly. also, they didn't lose it, so they have to play another one. Now they're going to be tired. They got just the right amount of reps heading into the playoffs. So, I agree. So, I think it's so, good for them. So it's good for, we're at a spot where we're making the play-in game good for the Lakers? I understand the homerism here, but sweet baby Jesus, what are we doing if we're turning around and saying the Lakers with LeBron and AD needed the play-in game to stay sharp? Harry, we are bending over backwards. This is like a damn Cirque du Soleil event to watch people try and find some acrobatic way to turn a negative for the Lakers into a positive just because we have to love everything the Lakers do. Well, you you talk about that game going to overtime last night. It took everything from LeBron. It took everything from Anthony Davis. It took everything from Dennis Schroeder. It took everything from the Lakers, period, to squeeze out that victory last night. And I'm also going to lie on the side of I, I just thought Minnesota imploded, right? When you got to, like I think, probably like the eight-minute mark in the fourth quarter, it's like everyone for the Minnesota Timberwolves was, was allergic to the basketball. Nobody <laughs> wanted the basketball. Like the damn point guard, Mike Conley Jr., I keep saying to myself, why is Anderson keep initiating the offense? Why, is it, why isn't it Mike Conley Jr.? Especially when the team was being so sporadic and all over the place, I thought he should have took initiative to go get the basketball and say, you know what, let's run everything through me. Let me set things up, especially because he was having a good game scoring the basketball. Anthony Edwards didn't have a, a good shooting night uh, whatsoever. Car Anthony Towns, I am sick of him getting these dumb fouls. I watched it last year in the playoff series against the Memphis Grizzlies, and I had to watch it last night again. There's no reason for you to be getting your fourth and fifth foul and allowing them to be dumb fouls when you know you're needed on the basketball court to score because it's going to be a struggle for everyone else outside of you and Anthony Edwards. I, 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 it makes no sense to me. At some point, he has to grow up, but I will tell you this. I do got to give some credit to the Los Angeles Lakers in their defense because they made 
the Minnesota Timberwolves that way. They forced 20 turnovers last night. And when they needed defense, they brought it to Minnesota, and Minnesota had no answer for it. Now, when LeBron hit that shot that made it 95-95 fits, you want to know what I said to myself? Hmm. Lakers going to win this game now. As soon as LeBron James hit that three-pointer and tied it up 95-95, I knew right there that the Lakers was going to win it and Minnesota had gave that thing away. Uh, you're 1,000% right, by the way. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Fitz and Harry. When we talk about the defense and how we have to give the Lakers some credit, and, and again, I want everybody here. I'm not here hating everything the Lakers are doing. I'm willing to give them credit for the fact that they played strong defense, and that's part of why Anthony Edwards was 3 of 17 throughout the course of the night. But I also think, to your point, it's an implosion stat to me that the Timberwolves only got three free throws in the entire second half. And by the way, those were the three free throws that tied the game with .1 seconds to go. At some point, if you're not shooting the ball well, Basketball 101 says at least get aggressive and go after the guys to try and create contact to get to the line. Find a way to manufacture points. It felt like Minnesota was just incapable of doing that. And that, you know, the implosion of Minnesota can be caused in part by the Lakers. But the fact that this game was so close throughout so much of it like look I don't think this is a burning hot take you tell me I don't think it's a burning hot take that right now Memphis is better than Minnesota right uh 100 percent just that's a normal take right (laughs) so we all know Memphis is better than Minnesota yet I'm listening to this morning well you know Edwards played so well defensively nobody else is going to be able to do that to D'Angelo Russell throughout the rest of the playoffs I'm listening to got to get a little bit of rhythm here for a team that's old that knows what they're doing at this point I'm listening to all of these excuses the fact is Memphis is better than Minnesota and if Memphis goes in and plays the way they play and the Lakers play the way they played last night Memphis is going to kick the snot out of the Lakers. They're not just going to beat them. They will kick the snot out of the Lakers if the Lakers don't play substantially better than they did last night. So, like, the reason why I brought up Rajon Rondo last uh, yesterday, um, in regards to the last title that the Lakers won with LeBron in, in the bubble, is because LeBron James at that moment, when Rajon was on that team, didn't have to have the ball in his hand, and he didn't have to initiate everything, right? So now you're taking a lot of you know, a lot of pressure off LeBron, a lot of things that he doesn't have to do because you have a quality point guard that can put guys in positions to be scorers. LeBron James has to do all of that, man. He has to do all of that. And you've seen him one time, it was a timeout call or something, or, you know, they had to go to a commercial break on the broadcast, and LeBron James and Anthony Davis was both leaned over like, damn, I didn't gave any and everything, and I'm exhausted. That's what it does to a guy like LeBron, who is older but still a superstar in this league. But I don't think you want to bank on game in and game out at the age that LeBron is that he has to initiate every single thing. That's why I think Anthony Davis moving forward is going to be is going to have to be more valuable to this team. And he had a great game. He had 24 and 7, uh, 15, but he had a bonehead play at the end of the game that could have allowed his team to lose it in overtime. So you can't have those typhoons moving forward. Yeah, I'm just saying overtime in a play-in game was good for the Lakers. Come on, be better, do better. The NBA playoffs are on ESPN Radio. Tune in to play-in action tonight. The Raptors host the Bulls, followed by the Pelicans at the Thunder, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations and on Sirius XM Channel 80. All right, we told you about the play at the end where AD fouled Mike Conley Jr., but coming up, you'll hear why AD isn't the only one who deserves the blame for it and another reason I don't trust the Lakers. We'll do it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. LeBron driving to the rim, gets outside, Schroeder! Ups and downs, we've been very resilient, been able to stick with the game. Absolutely thrilling playing game. The Lakers. 
Raiders escape. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. is different because usually in the, in the postseason you have multiple days to prep for a team, but we shouldn't be comfortable. we got to stay on edge and, and get ready for the game. The Timberwolves are going to spend a lot of time trying to figure out where it went wrong last night as they imploded, found a way to lose to the Lakers. The question is, where did it go wrong for the Lakers at the end of regulation? See, if anyone didn't see it, Anthony Davis fouling with .1 seconds put Mike Conley Jr. on the line for not one, not two, but three free throws. And that became the ultimate difference in sending this game to overtime. What happened? Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app series, XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry, I think the play sort of shocked a lot of people as you see the corner three go up in the air and you realize that AD stepping out, uh, he hit Conley. I mean, it's a good call. It's a stupid play. And it's one of those moments where you're saying, how does that happen in that moment? I understand the frustration of Lakers fans everywhere watching it in the moment because you had the game won until that happened. Yeah, and if you're Anthony Davis, you want to contest, but – at the same time, he already got the wide open look, right? You don't want to foul him and give him a, a, a three free free throws to tie the game up. They needed a three to win the game. If he's able to hit that three at the moment, then you, you got to go in overtime. But you didn't want to gift him free throws to send it into overtime, especially after Dennis Schroeder and LeBron James had made a great play. LeBron James get criticized for not taking the last shot of games a lot of the times. But LeBron James makes the right basketball play, hits Dennis Schroeder. He makes a three. They go up three. But then you got Anthony Davis coming back down the court and fouling Mike Conley Jr. Mm, mm, mm. Well, Can't have it. The problem here is, why does this happen? This isn't the first time this year this has happened to the Lakers, in fact. Uh, they've seen this sort of a play before. And if you look at Jeff Van Gundy, this is what he had to say on Keyshawn J. Will and Max about the Lakers' defense on the final play. Anthony Davis, there was confusion because there was multiple screening actions. And so there was this huge gap between uh, Conley and Davis. So he had two choices uh, you know, close slow and, you know, just live with the result or close hard, which he did. And I didn't think it was really a great call either. I I didn't think it was really a foul. But my point is I I just didn't like – I don't like when Anthony Davis is, like, in these actions where there's these multiple screening actions and now he's trying to do something he hasn't done all game. And part of the point there that Van Gundy is making is part of a bigger point is Coach Darvin Ham and putting the guys in the best situation as possible in these moments. Like, there is some confusion. There is some opportunity there to look at it. And you know this as a player, right? Like, as a player, sometimes you look at it and say, man, let me let me do what I do well. So there is a question of why they were even in that look in that set to begin with. Yeah, I would say this. Um, I think it was Carl Anthony Towns that was up there. So that's probably why Anthony Davis is up that close to him. But – 
you know, Jeff Van Gundy's right. You can't have Anthony Davis in that situation and, and those screen actions and then trying to react to it when he's not normally in those actions. Now you're putting a player in a bad position, and then next thing you know, he gets fouled and the opponent gets three free throws and sends the game in overtime. I think moving forward, this is one of the things. It's game situation, right? We talk about situational football in, in, in that game all the time. Well, there's situational basketball when it comes to the game of basketball. And I think Darvin Ham is going to have to look at you know previous uh, cases in which the Lakers were in this a situation like this and also last night and say, I got to do a better job not to put – Anthony Davis in that situation so this doesn't occur once again moving forward. Yeah, the whole game felt like a series of this shouldn't have happened, right? Like it shouldn't have happened. Uh, the, the Minnesota should have never choked the way they choked. Once they choked, AD should have never fouled in this situation. And the Lakers get the overtime win. But you do look at it and say, does it create more of a narrative because there are at least times that there are conversations about Darvin Ham and you know what he's doing. Not to say he hasn't done a good job, but he's also been one to admit that he needs to do a better job at times of getting AD fed and comfortable. And this is another one of those examples. It's just a very but, but, but let's let's be honest though. It's not like Darvin Ham's been a head coach before. I understand, you know, he won a championship as a player with the Detroit Pistons, and he, and he won a championship under Mike Budenholzer with the Milwaukee Bucks. But he still is a first-year head coach, so a lot of these things he's he's learning. But that's also why you have, you know, a staff, so your staff can understand and see things that you might not see as a head coach because you're so hands-on with a lot of other things. But situational basketball. That that I think that's basketball one on one. You you're supposed to practice these type of things. Um, I'll say week in and week out. So when they come up, no one's caught off guard. Now, while everybody was busy watching the Lakers, some of us might have been busy celebrating things that were happening even before that. It's time to bring it back. It's been a whole day, I don't know, since we had to to take a look at a different city, not L.A. Uh, let's get a little bit of Harry Douglas love here. It's time for some what's hot in Atlanta. That's where the fancy sound usually plays, and Devin's scrambling right now. He's going to get there, and we're going to dun, dun, dun. See, it's, it's fancy. It's like, what's hot in Atlanta? And then there's some hip-hop music, and all of the things happen. I lean back in my yeah. chair and everything. He, he dances. It's, it's so, it's, yeah, it's worth waiting for, I promise you. It's, you know, it's just going to be so good when it happens here. It, we're so close. I can, any, I can just see Any minute it. now. Yeah. <laughs> Any minute or any second. This is why it's now. live radio. You know, I'm watching. I'm literally watching Devin go back and forth. And I just see him mouth that yeah. he doesn't have it. Yeah. So let me tell you, ladies okay. and gentlemen, what's, what's hot, hot in Atlanta. Whenever we get the music, we'll play it. But in the meantime, yes, what's hot in Atlanta, Harry? Well, we know it's not the damn Miami Heat. We know they weren't hot last night. From the varsity to Lemon Pepper Wings. Lemon Pepper what? And the Hawks and the Falcons. Nothing but that. Trey Young. Ice Trey. What's hot in Atlanta this week? Uh-huh. You said whenever you had it. All right, go ahead. Uh, now, uh, as, I, as I clear my throat, well, what's hot in Atlanta, it definitely wasn't the Miami Heat. Even though the Atlanta Hawks went down to Miami, and previously they hadn't won a game down there, I think, since 2021. But that streak broke last night. And, yes, I had all kind of people texting me. Your Hawks are going down. I want to send a little note out there to uh, Federica, who's in D.C. right oh, now f- on this show. Federica, I'm sorry what the Hawks did to your Miami Heat. I wow. still love you. Amber Wilson. You know you're my girl, but last night wasn't your night. Shout out to Trey Young. Shout out to uh, Sadiq Bey, a guy who that the Hawks went and traded for. They had seven guys in double figures last night. Four of those guys came off the bench and were in double figures. You talk about the rebounding in that game. Well, the Hawks had 63 to the Miami Heat's 39. You talk about points in the paint. The Hawks had 64 to the Miami Heat, 46. All I'm saying is that, 
Hawks are flying in Miami. Oh, excuse me. No, they're not. The Hawks are now flying north to Boston to face the Celtics. Let's go, Hawks. Give me your one more time. Give me your Hawk noise. This is Trey Young last night with Shaq giving us his hawk noise. I got to make sure this is Trey Young. Let me hear it. Ah, 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 ah. Harry, Harry, yours is far better. I mean, Harry, Harry's got like some some guts to at least. I got to make sure this is Trey Young. Shaq Let me hear it. it. Up. Ah, ah, <laughs> ah, ah. What is? What, 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 oh, oh. But Fitz, I, I, I will tell you, a phenomenal job last night. Uh, a total team effort. Trey Young. Did something I haven't seen him do in a long time. He didn't have his hand sticking to the basketball, just trying to dribble the air out of it. He got rid of it quick, put the team in great situations. Um, you look at the rebounding. Uh, I got I, Capella had 21 rebounds. Think about that, 21 rebounds. But I think the bench really showed up. Bogey Bogdanovich did his thing. De, uh, DeJounte Murray, it's a difference with this Hawks team when you have a number two guy that can score at will as well because it was a stretch where the Hawks lost the lead, but DeJounte Murray and, and company, those guys came down and made big baskets to, to you know weather the storm that the Miami Heat and the run that they had went on to. I can only assure you that every time the Hawks do something well, we're going to play uh, that sound so, simply so I can hear Harry make his Hawk noise. That's, that's what I can be certain of. We'll get back to the NBA, but coming up, why a new coach for one NFL team won't change a damn thing. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Jason Fitz and Harry Douglas are Fitz and Harry. Man, they, they ticked you off, huh? I mean, they ticked you off, my man. I, that, that, I'm just saying, like, let, we make these things so complex. Like, uh, but I, I love the fact you said it with your chest, too. Like, you, you said it with your chest. You know what? I'm out here. I'm just out. I'm, <laughs> oh, oh, my God. I'm out in these streets now. That's what's happening. I'm out well, in these streets. I'm out here. He said, I'm out here. Oh, I'm, my God. I'm I out in these streets. Please I clip that off. <laughs> Evan and Devin, please clip that off. Please. I still don't see what's so wrong with it. I'm out there. Out here? Out everywhere? Saying it with my chest? It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. We'll keep you updated on all the NBA uh, news and notes. We have a lot to say about what we saw last night, what we will see tonight. But there's uh, something significant happening in the NFL today. For anybody uh, that isn't aware, the Broncos begin their offseason workouts today, uh, which for anybody that is lightly paying attention to the NFL right now, uh, we should remind you, Sean Payton has taken over there. So first and foremost, when you see offseason workouts for Sean Payton, Harry, I immediately think I want to hear from you on this because you know what it's like when you're walking into a locker room and everything's suddenly different. You got a new coach, you got a new system, you got new things to do. It's not just a matter of, oh, that's the off-season workout. Everybody comes in and high-fives each other and we go home. Like, this is the beginning of setting systems and practices in place. Yeah, I think in your mindset, better be different too. Right? You're walking into a new coach, a new regime, uh, a coach that had success at the last place that he was actually at and won a Super Bowl. I think your mindset better be different if you're player one through 53 and whoever, however many they have in the offseason. You can't go in there with the mindset that you had the year previous because you didn't win the year previous. And the reason why Sean Payton is there is to get this team afloat and put them in a winning category. Now, when you talk about the Denver Broncos and moving forward, right, 
Um, I don't think we're going to see Russell Wilson passing the football like we've seen him pass the football last year. Is he going to have opportunities to do so? Yes. But I do believe, uh, because playing against Sean Payton multiple times while I was in Atlanta and watching his offense with the New Orleans Saints, he wants to be balanced offensively. It's another reason why he bought in Samar J. Piran, who's a guy that they can trust running the football and also in pass protections to pair him up with Javante Williams. So he's going to be balanced offensively, and they're going to have that one-two punch at the running back position. Also, Sean Payton noticed that this offensive line was not where it needed to be. That's why he brought in Ben Powers and also Mike McGlinchey. This team last year gave up 63 sacks, which was the most in the National Football League last season. 55 of those sacks came um, from Russell Wilson at the quarterback position, from being at the quarterback position. But I think when you look at Sean Payton, the way he wants to do things from an offensive standpoint, he's going to have multiple personnel groupings to try to throw the defense off. But the mindset is not going to be, hey, we're going to go out here and we're going to throw the football up and down the field. And Himbo gave me a stat this morning. When Sean Payton was in New Orleans, they averaged about, with Drew Brees, they averaged about 21 sacks per year. That is a drastic change, right? Just think of the mindset of Sean Payton. You average 21 sacks per year with Drew Brees, and Russell Wilson got sacked 63 times, or the Denver Broncos quarterbacks got sacked 63 times last year. That's going to be a point of emphasis, so for every player on that roster, your mindset better be different when you go to those offseason workouts this year. Well, and certainly, as you mentioned with McGlinchey and Powers, that's a lot of money spent on the offensive line, and you know you expect a tone change. Sean Payton was on We Need to Talk on CBS and talk specifically about helping the Broncos move past last season. Our first team meeting is going to be right after Easter weekend, and it's probably going to be, I don't want to say no nonsense, but here are the things that are going to help us win. That's kind of where we're at a little bit. This offseason for us needs to be um, it needs to be difficult. So there'll be a time maybe we do an activity like golf, but to answer your question right now, I think it's a little bit more like, all right, we're rolling up our sleeves a little bit. Again, Harry comes back to standards and practices. It's interesting. Right. Uh, it was reported that Russell Wilson was among the first to arrive. The team's weight room opened at 4.30 a.m. Good God, I don't understand why it would have to open up that early. But the team <laughs> weight room opened up at 4.30 a.m. Medical staff were working by 5.30 a.m. Russell Wilson among the first to arrive. I, I wouldn't expect anything else. Like Russell Wilson, love or hate whatever we want to think about his personality, seems like the first in, last out sort of guy anyway. And you want to do that when you've got Sean Payton establishing in his comments that this is going to be a difficult. He is going to push people to conform to the way he wants things done. That's process. Yeah, and it's all about setting the foundation, right? Letting guys know what the foundation is going to be on your pro, uh, in your organization and your program moving forward and letting them know that the standard is going to be the standard. And it's not going to be compromised for Russell Wilson, Jerry Judy, or whoever else is on that team, Zach Allen, who they just signed. The, comp, uh, the, the standard won't, won't be compromised for anyone. Um, and, and I like this. you got to remember, Sean Payton is a Bill Parcells disciple, and we know how that goes. We know the mindset of, of anyone who's followed you know, under Bill Parcells. And Denver, the, the players, they can't say anything. They can't fight back against it because they didn't win. So when you didn't win, you don't have any say-so. So whatever Sean Payton is preaching to him and whatever he wants to do, you have to rock with or you won't be there. He's already made that known as well. Uh, there's still some – let me just say level of doubt in my mind about all of this and how it's going to work. You mentioned the the 65 overall sacks. 
Let me point out that they're in a very good division when it comes particularly to guys getting after the quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. Every one of these teams has somebody that can absolutely get past your whoever your best offensive lineman is and destroy the quarterback. That's something they've got to just account for. That's part of life in the AFC West right now. I look at this whole thing for Sean Payton, and I feel like we expect that this is going to have, you know, he said they're meeting after Easter. It's like he's going to have some sort of he is risen impact here. I don't see that. <laughs> what I see is a coach that when he had a Hall of Fame quarterback had a great career with New Orleans and that was spectacular. Do I know what that's going to equal in Denver when he has Russell Wilson? No, I still don't think Russell Wilson is any good anymore. So until I see otherwise, I think Russell Wilson has seen his best days. So now what I have is a a coach that's got to get back into the league with a roster that's been a bunch of money that's going to try and figure out how to acclimate to a new culture that can take a second to do it with quarterback. I don't really believe in. Like I feel like the Broncos are, are largely going to be the most over hype team in the AFC this year well I don't think they're going to make the playoffs uh, from simply the division that they're playing in but we keep talking about the quarterback position you got to understand Sean Payton wants to run the football the Denver Broncos were a running team before Russell Wilson got there for some odd and apparent reason they just wanted to throw the football around last season because that was Nathaniel Hackett's thing Get back to what you were doing before Russell Wilson got there and what Sean Payton loves to do. Goes from his days when he had Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara with the New Orleans Saints. And I think it was Reggie Bush and Deuce McAllister. Uh, I don't know if I'm correct, but I think it was Deuce McAllister. He's going to have that one-two punch at the running back position. They're going to be well-balanced. They won't be one-dimensional because that's just not how he rocks. He's going to lean on those running backs to do a lot of the things. And then Russell Wilson is going to get the football out of his hands quick. He's not going to be sitting back there patting that football, holding on to it. No, Drew Brees got that football out of his hands quickly because that's the way the play designs went. And Sean Payton is going to be the guy calling the plays, and Russell Wilson is just going to have to accept that and deal with it. It just feels like there's a little more acclimation than sometimes we want there to be in these situations. We see first-year coaches come in and have huge success. When I see returning coaches, I always step back and I wonder, okay, how are the egos going to fit? How is the battle going to be for control? How is the culture going to be created? I think that that takes us I'm not saying that's even a bad thing. Long-term, this could be a great move for Denver. I just think we need to all pull back a little bit on some of the wild expectations. Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly 7 100 bucks on average. All right, neither of us think the Broncos are a Super Bowl contender at all. But Harry says there's a Super Super Bowl contender nobody is talking about. We'll tell you who it is next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Feel free to hit us on social media with the pictures of you dressed for success at hdouglas83, at Jason Fitz, at Fitz and Harry. Want to see your dress for success? We are primed for greatness today. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM channel lady. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, also primed for greatness. Could be one team that maybe people aren't talking enough about in the Super Bowl conversation. That team would be the Miami Dolphins, and that's based largely on Tua Tungvaloa. This is what Tua said at the Tua Foundation event about being ready for this season and his health. Woo! I'm very excited. I'm very excited. I think our entire team is excited to get back out there. Off-season training's been good. Uh, been working on strength uh, in many areas um, and been chipping away at uh, things that I felt like I, I needed to work on um, 
to get to where I, I feel like I, I can get to uh, in, in the later parts of the, of the season. Well, I would say this. Uh, if Tua Tagovailoa can stay healthy, the Miami Dolphins are Super Bowl contenders. Tua had a phenomenal year last year outside of having the concussions. But when I look at this team, right, you look at the second year being in that Shanahan offense, which is led by Mike McDaniel, and usually that's when the offense really starts to catch its groove and come along. Now, they were a year ahead, but not so much in the run game. They were 25th in rushing last year. They were able to sign back um, Jeff Wilson, also Raheem Mostert, both of those guys. And I think the offensive line and their mindset going into this offseason is going to have that run game a little bit more uh, differently than it was a season ago. Because late into that season, that's when teams start to figure out how to defend Tua Tagovailoa in that offense, taking away the middle of the football field, where if the run game is efficient, you don't have to worry about those guys and they're going to bite on the play action. I will also say adding Vic Vangio to that defense as their defensive coordinator, adding David Long, who played some great football for the Tennessee Titans, trading for Jalen Ramsey to now have two number one corners in Xavier Howard, Javon Holland at the safety position. But I want, to, I want y'all to listen to this defensive line for, for a minute. Christian Wilkins, Raycon Davis, Emmanuel Ugba, Jalen Phillips, Bradley Chubb. I'm pretty sure that Vic Vangio is going to have those guys coming off that edge with their hair on fire. So look for the Miami Dolphins if Tua Tagovailoa can stay healthy to be Super Bowl contenders. Well, and I think that's part of why Mike White is part of their equation as well, understanding mm-hmm. that they need to have a quality backup. And we did see some quality last year from Mike White. So, you know, they've got to have – we need to have context to what went wrong last year. It wasn't just Tua's health. It also was then in some cases Tua and – Teddy, like you had Teddy Bridgewater knocked mm-hmm. out of games almost right away also and, and battling his own injuries. How many teams did we see? Now, I know the 49ers sort of set the the bar last year while we're in the NFC Championship game with the fourth, uh, fourth, uh, fourth string quarterback. That's fine. That's not normal, right? So for yeah. the Dolphins to be playing at any sort of effective level, they need to have Tua healthy, but they also, I think, have protected themselves with a good option and backup quarterback. Plus, I got to say, too, I thought Mike McDaniel was a joy to watch last year. Like, when you watched the Dolphins' offense, and this is something I think anytime a coach comes in with a background in one particular area, I look for what looks awesome about that, right? What do they make look great? So this year for the Texans, I look at their defensive side of the ball and say that should be the easiest thing for D'Amico Ryans to figure out quickly. Well, last year, watching the Dolphins just pre-snap was the wildest, the amount of motion and movement that they were using. It isn't as simple as Tyreek Hill's fast, so he gets open. If it were that simple, every fast guy would be out there and absolutely doing great things. I think we should credit some of the offensive play calling and the coaching that's going on that creates opportunities opportunities for these great wide receivers to get open down the field. So I think Mike McDaniel's creativity was on fire. I think their their weapons are absolutely otherworldly. I love, to your point, the additions they have on the defensive side of the ball. They just happen to play in a really tough division. So to me, yeah. they're a wild card team that's going to be playing in a tough division. But my God, I, I, I think Miami has every opportunity to contend for a Super Bowl. Well, and here's the funny thing. They can reach the Super Bowl as, as a wild card because I do believe that division is going to be so tough with the Jets and Aaron Rodgers going over there if the trade goes through and then Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. And I said this morning on Get Up, I don't think the New England Patriots are going to make the playoffs this season, but it's not like they're going to lay down and, my, and not make things tough for the oppo- other opponents in the division. 
they're going to go out there and fight still. I mean, the New England Patriots still has a, a, a good defense that was top 10 in the National Football League a season ago. And I think with the previous defensive coordinator from, from Miami, I think he put those guys in the secondary and also that entire defense in some compromisable situations last season that Vic Vangio would not put those guys in. It's something to be said, man, when you have two number one guys that could take away, you know, two receivers that you that you have if they're prolific. Also, you have a safety in Javon Holland that can guard, you know, slot guys and do a lot of different things on the football field as well. Along with that defensive line, Bradley Chubb came over late last season via trade. Now he's going to be able to have an offseason and, and, and be with this group and really make some noise at the defensive uh, end position, outside linebacker, defensive end slash whatever you want to call it. Now, there's such a strategic approach, especially for a team that lost their first-round draft pick. It was forfeited, remember, from uh, yep. the tampering. So when you start thinking about their strategic approach, it is quite obvious that the Dolphins have gone fully in on win now. Like That is their intent. They picked up the fifth-year option on Tua. That's all part of this. Like I don't think there's any portion of the Dolphins right now that's worried about anything other than this season, right now, can we compete? And early well, on, go ahead. I, I'll tell you, I'm telling you, it's going to be scary because Mike McDaniel and his background is the run game. If they can get this run game going, this offense with the with the shifts and motion and Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill and you added Braxton uh, Berrios to the mix as well with Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, if they can get this run game going, that's going to be scary as hell for for defenses to have to defend. Uh, defend. They they should be able to get this run game going too because let's face it, it's not like you can just stack the box and say, well, we'll take our chance and put all these wide yep. receivers one on one. Like there should be opportunities for them to run the ball. This is just the beginning of what I think is a nice little window for Miami. So uh, put us at the front of the bandwagon for their possibility when it comes to uh, being a Super Bowl team. Uh, obviously, we'll get back to the NFL, but frankly, we're in the midst of chaos all across the NBA. NBA and everybody around the world is asking if one NBA star is poking the bear. But what if I told you it's the bear who's actually doing the poking? We'll tell you about it next. A lot of poking. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 